Well, good day, everybody, and welcome back to the extras. My name is Sam, and I'm Raj, and it's wonderful to be with you, Raj, uh, for another episode of the extras, another bumper episode episode of the extras. As you've uh, you've got us all thinking as we come out of lockdown, you've got us thinking about uh, the gospel, you've got us thinking about uh, the purpose of, of what God is doing at this time and how we can uh, use our life. So thanks for all your work uh, the last little while. Well, you're very kind, Sam. Look, I as I said on Sunday, I I do think we have a little window at the moment. Um, I do feel that the world is very, and our society is very quickly reverting back mm. to what it was, what it will be. Um, but we have a window of being able to learn and reflect. Yeah, and uh, thanks for helping us make the most of that window. So just, in, just to bring us back up to speed, it's later in the week. It's been a while since Sunday. Um, we were in Romans 8 and Revelation 22. Just sort of 20, 30 seconds, just remind us, what were some of the big things that you were helping us to think through from yeah. God's Word. Yeah, well, I, I think I titled the sermon um, um, "Free Freedom to Long, or Free to Long. And so I very much want to end up with that incredible picture of Revelation 22 and that great city with the river of life, the inexhaustible mm. grace of God. Um, but I wanted to get there the way the Bible does, and that is, um, in this world, there is groaning to pick up on the Romans 8 language. Yeah. And that the groaning of the current world, and I, I think COVID-19 has been one expression of that groaning, um, and that's the reality that we're grappling with, that's what we see, and yet the Bible wants us to long for something more. Mm. Yeah. Helpful, yeah. Um, and so uh, one of the things, uh, we've got a bunch of questions, 17, we'll see how we go. We'll try and move relatively quickly through them. Um, but uh, we, we want to... Um, uh, think through that whole idea of longing and even groaning. Um, so let, let's dive right in. Um, the first question that's come in here is, is about kind of just getting some clarity. You made a comment in, in your sermon that God has kind of made the world um, unstable such that we would long, and you gave that really helpful illustration about your South African friends uh, kind of appreciating the, the instability of their world that caused them to long. Um, can you clarify with that? Uh, someone saying, I had understood that the creation was good and God was pleased with what he had made. Yeah, thank you. This is uh, part, of, part of the reason I love Q&A. So I, um, I, I did make a comment a little bit like that. Let me tell you what I meant, and, and I'm, I apologise if it hasn't been heard properly. Um, uh, and that is, our world is inherently unstable now. <clears throat> now, there is a bit of a debate going back into Genesis did God make the world like that, mm. or has the world become like that as sin has entered the world? Sure. And um, um, it may, well, very briefly, the, the argument, it's a theological kind of argument, you know, uh, it goes something like this. Jesus was not plan God's plan B. Jesus was God's plan A. And so God actually created a world where he knew that Jesus would be needed to come into the world. Mm. And so Genesis... The creation accounts the world is good, but not perfect. Mm. And and the kingdom that is to come. So that's one side of the argument, but there's obviously another side of the argument that says that good, perfect distinction is, is too much. Mm. Um, and God did, did do that. Look, either way, you know, whichever... I've just tried to outline that. Whatever you prefer, this side of the fall, Genesis 3... The world is unstable, mm. and Jesus is God's plan. A, we see the Old Testament, all kinds of things happen, but they keep failing. There's a cycle that goes on. 
Um, and so this world in which we live, as we see in all kinds of ways, I talked about certainly COVID, but I also talked about the tsunami and all kinds of other things, earthquakes, mm. famines, Jesus talks about. Yeah. Um, and all of those are things that make us groan in this world yeah. and long for the future. That's helpful. So there's a question mark over sort of God's, God's sort of hand in, in how we came to be where we are, and you've helpfully laid out two purposes, but I, two options, sorry. But either way, God's purpose in where we are right now is to cause us to long for yeah. what is to come. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, okay. Uh, second question here is um, uh, the theme of, of slavery slash adoption to sonship, uh, which is in the passage, I think, just before where, where we were looking on Sunday, chapter 8, verses 12 to 17. How does that relate to um, the idea of, of slavery to corruption and sonship in the passage that you took us through on Sunday? Yeah, thank you. This is a great question. Um, um, they're all great questions, but I love this one in particular because it, it comes to that context question, which is so important in the Bible. Mm. And and this one, um, who has put it in, is very is thinking very deeply about what's happened in verses 12 to 17. That is talking about... Uh, the fact that we are, I think, verse 15 captures it, Romans 8, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves. That has been a continual theme of Romans so far, That's that right. we're slaves to sin. Mm. And so it's the spirit you receive through Jesus does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Mm. Um, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and that's where that cry is, that wonderful cry out the Father. Yep. Yep. So, so that's the point. We're not slaves to sin, but we're now children of God, and I talked about different ways that, that it's breathtaking to ponder that. Yeah. And I think the point of talking about that that freedom that we have, we, we could have extended the Freedom Series to four and looked, looked at it like this. It's, yes, yeah. That freedom um, helps us have a perspective on the suffering and the groaning of this world. Mm. And um, so our world is, it, we, we continue to live in a corrupt world, um, but the sonship that we have in Jesus as children of God uh, is is something that helps us live through this time. Mm. And I just think that that the spirit groans is mm. just a tremendous expression of part of what God has equipped us, how God has equipped us to live in this world. Yeah, great. Thanks, mate. That's, that's really helpful. Um, just picking up on that theme of, of sonship, which you mentioned a couple of times just then, um, there's another question on this topic of adoption as sonship. And the question is, when does our adoption as sons, God's sons, chronologically occur? That is, has it already happened or is it still to happen? And the, the question says, look, 8.15 seems to suggest we've received the spirit of sonship, something's already happened, but whereas... Uh, chapter 8, verse 23 says we're waiting for our adoption as sons, and which is it? Have we already got it or are we waiting for it? Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and the short answer is, knowing we have 17 questions, the short answer is both. That's right, yes. <laughs> yes, as, as the saying goes. Um, uh, we have it because Jesus has died on the cross, and yet the way I think of it, just to try to be helpful on this is, we're still waiting for the full manifestation of that, mm. which happens when Christ returns. So hence the Revelation 22 image, that will be a reality. Yeah. And yet now if you belong to Christ, um, you're, you're freed from being a slave. You can call God right now, Abba Father, mm. which is something that is really quite extraordinary. I, talk, I spoke about this on Sunday, but it is just incredible to think we can call God Abba Father when in the Old Testament people couldn't even come into the presence of God. Yeah. Um, 
So now we have it because Jesus died on the cross. We can call God our Father now. And yet we still live in this world of groaning. And we're not going to be freed from that until Jesus returns. So not yet. Yeah, now and not yet. That's a, that's a constant tension, constant we, tension we find in the scripture as we live waiting for the return of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, verses 26 and 27, Raj, talk about the Holy Spirit interceding in, in prayer. And you, you, you gave a really helpful illustration of this on, on, you know, that the Spirit sort of prays what you aren't kind of in the right mind to pray yourself. Um, but someone said, look, I'm not sure what verse 27 is referring to. And I'll just read verse 27. Um, it says, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Um, can you help just shed a bit of light on that verse for us? Yeah, look, I'll share my thought, and then, Sam, you might have a thought as well. But my thought is, he who searches our hearts, that is talking about the Father. Mm. And and um, he searches our hearts, and he knows the mind of a spirit. It's, it's part of a dynamic of how it is the spirit groans. They may be audible groans, but they might not be audible groans. Mm. And and then... Um, because so it's like a, it's a two-way. There's a there's a connection between the spirit that's in us and the Father. Um, that's how I think of it. But Sam, do you want to add something? Or... Um, the only thing I'd add is on that second clause, um, which is the because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And so it, it seems to me that that knowing both what's on our hearts and sometimes that's right and sometimes that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, but then connecting that to God's will, which is what God actually wants us to pray for anyway, the Spirit kind of bridges that gap, if you like, particularly between where our will our will is not in line with God's will and we're not praying what we should, and yet the Spirit comes in and groans in the way that we should. Yeah. If that makes sense, because yeah. he knows the, the, the Father's will. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, now, a bunch of questions here. In fact, we'll knock off sort of three of them at the same time, Raj. Um, a few people just feeling a little troubled by your cr- critique around the phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. Um, uh, you, you laid out a church that had a motto of that, you know, that they were trying to see heaven done now. And you sort of said, look, that's just not biblical. Uh, and people are saying, well, hang on a minute. Um, Lord's Prayer, Raj. Uh, Jesus taught his disciples to pray uh, that very phrase. Um, so, uh, is Jesus right or are you right? <laughs> uh, I don't think it, the question came in quite like that, <laughs> no, Sam. It, but, I'm putting, um, I, I love I'm, it. I love it. I love our banter in these moments, yeah, Raj. Yeah. Um, look, thank you very much. And and let me just say, firstly, I do... Yes, I did, you know, it's slightly provocative what I said, I guess. Um, but part of the role that we, you and I both have, Sam, and others as well, mm. in our responsibility is to point out error to people Yeah, um, as a way of protecting people. Absolutely. And and so I'm cognizant of that. I know that's hard sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, indeed, that might make you and I and others unpopular sometimes. Mm. But but um, uh, the fact we've got three questions around this that's come in, yeah. it's, it's it's helpful for people, it I is. think. Yeah, so what's the error here? Because I think yeah. you're right, there's an error yeah. here, and, I, and I, I, it's not you or Jesus. Actually, I think you're right on line with Jesus. What's what's the error that people Oh, so you're making? siding with me, not I, Jesus. No, well, I'm, I'm <laughs> siding with you both. I'm right behind the both So, look, yeah, so that's the preamble. I think the, the answer I gave in, I think it was... It's morning church, morning church yeah. um, where it came up, and morning church and North Rocks, of course, being combined, um, or last week, not this week coming. But the, the, the line in the Lord's Prayer actually is, so Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. And and I find it interesting the motto um, has really been, it's removed from those words, your will be done. They've tr- truncated it just to... They've, they've, they've plucked it out of the context. Yes. And yes. they've given it a different meaning. Mm. And the meaning they've given it, and not, not just one church, there's several churches like this, and yep. it's very much out there in our materialistic world that this is what we want. Yeah. Um, so it's where reaching is, a kind of scratching. Uh, but the meaning that has been given it, which is what I'm trying to pick up on as the thing we need to be very careful of, mm-hmm. is the full manifestations of being God's sons that we're just talking about. Yeah. Um, being not here yet. Yes. That's Revelation 22. Yeah. In this world, what we should expect is groaning. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. We shouldn't be necessarily creating groaning. Sure. <laughs> That's different. But we should have the full expectation that this world is not as the world will be in heaven. Absolutely. And so that, that motto, what they've taken that is not applying it in the way Jesus does. Which is about God's will being which done. Which is about God's will being done. Yeah, people obeying God. People obeying God, people being saved. Yep. Yep. Um, people having the need to understand Jesus. That's a huge priority in this world. Yep. They're taking the Revelation 22. Yeah, let's bring heaven to earth right let's now. Let's bring life in heaven, but mm. that's going to be like the perfection of that yep. into this world. Yeah. Um, and I just think this is really important. I, I've talked to psychologists over the years, many years ago now, who was a psychologist and Christian psychologist at church where I was a long time ago now. Yep. And she said to me, it was, it was tragic, she said to me, most of her work, I'm sure this is not true of all psychologists, but she said to me, most of her work was people who had been caught up in churches propagating that kind of philosophy, mm. um, who then lived life in this world and were disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I just, yeah, I, I, I love this opportunity for the extras, you know, yeah. limited in Sundays, but... Um, yeah, so the expectation the Bible gives us is really quite different yeah. um, to that. I think it's very dangerous for that kind of reason and more. Um, um, Romans 8 is the expectation in this world. And we didn't go on, we didn't read on, but it does help us long for the future mm. and live for the future, um, knowing that that not-yet time currently will become a reality. Fabulous. All right. Um, now, we've got a big, long question that I'm going to try and summarise here, Raj. Um, so I'll do my best here. Um, the question is, is something along the lines of, why would you say it's our responsibility to help um, those who are not Christians, uh, who, are, who are suffering in this world, when, when we've been saved, can't we just kind of stick together as a group of Christians and encourage each other and be godly together and leave those who are uh, not God's people and opposed to God and perhaps in, in the light of this, in the language of this question, are sort of responsible for the suffering of the world, uh, leave them in their kind of uh, wickedness and uh, just together worship and praise God knowing that he saved us. Um, that, that's the a, a yeah. summary of the question. It's much longer than that. I don't have time to read it all out now, but um, do you have a comment? To that end, yeah. Look, and this is another one, Sam. I'll make a comment, and you might as well if you if you want. Um, we were talking about this before, and and you just actually made the point. You know, in its extreme form, this is the monasticism mm. 
which and people have gone down that track over the years. What's monasticism? Just help us. Withdrawing yourself almost, well, pretty much completely from society. Yeah. And living um, either in a community or alone sometimes. Yeah. Um, to be devoted to the Lord. In order to, to avoid the stain of the world. In order to avoid the stain of the world and the influence yeah. of the world. And yep. Um, now there are some churches, there are churches from before, but there are churches that, yeah. you know, uh, propagate that today. Yeah. Um, now, my, my problem with that is... So I like it in part because... The desire for purity there, I think, is highly commendable, and we can learn from that. Okay. On the other hand, if if Jesus, just to pick up on the way that you put it, if Jesus took the view that, you know, it's up to people to find God, mm. and he didn't take the initiative to lower himself to come into this world and be rejected and die on the cross, yeah, we wouldn't be able to find God. Yeah. And God's way of working could work any way he wants, but the way he works is through people. Yeah. And I have a profound conviction that, you know, why hasn't Jesus yet returned so that more people can be saved, so that the full number can be saved? Yeah. And he does that through people. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, Paul talks about him himself as being an ambassador of Christ. Yeah. And it doesn't go quite so far as to use that language of us, but I think it's the same concept, that we are God's agents in this world. Yeah, um, and so we live with this tension of wanting to become pure in the midst of all of the influences we have, and yet trying to hold out the word of life to people. Yeah, in fact, we're going to talk about that this coming Sunday. Fabulous. Um, yeah, as as we did previous Sunday, actually. Yeah. And so there are moments of this groaning that this window we have at the moment that I think. Anyway, there's my thought. No, I, I think that's really helpful. I mean, God God didn't leave us in our wickedness and, and praise God that, and actually I'm thinking myself, if, if people had just ignored me when I was wicked, and I was, and I still am in some ways, um, but somebody shared the gospel with me and took time with me and, and, and uh, preached the gospel to me and saw me saved, and I'm grateful that they did that um, and rather than just withdrawing and leaving me off. Yeah. Um, all of us have to be saved at some point, and uh, God loves the lost and calls us to go get yeah. amongst them and see them saved. Yeah. 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 So we can't, we, we mustn't fall into sin as we do that, uh, but the answer is not just to avoid the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's get going. A um, couple of just... Uh, Odd questions, that, not odd, but um, that kind of not particularly connected to the sermon, so I'll just, we'll just do them here. Uh, one is, why do we pray out loud together? We've done a bit of that recently. Um, is there a Bible reference as to why we do that? Thank you. Um, we've done a bit of that lately yeah, without we singing. Have, we've we we've have, done a bit yeah. more praying out loud. Yeah, but even so, we do, we do often say confessions together yeah. and creeds together and... Yeah prayers of thanksgiving and even the Lord's Prayer, you know? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of that. I, I love this question too because it's just getting us thinking about church life and the way it works. Mm. And I, one thing that comes to mind here is, you know, often we can we can be quite individualistic in our thinking. Sure. That is, life is about between us and God. Yeah. And yet you think about... Um, so, sorry, in terms of Bible references, the Bible does talk about, it says, be devoted to the public reading of Scripture. Mm. I think my, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam, I may be wrong on this, but that's the only reference I can think of in, that talks about the public nature of something like this. Mm. Prayer's a bit different. Mm. But 
But I think I just, you know, my, my mind and heart goes to those pictures of Israel gathered around Mount Sinai. Yeah. And the, the corporate, that is the together demonstration that was about people coming together around God. Yeah. And so praying out loud together, saying creeds together, saying prayers of confession and other prayers together. Yeah. Um, I think there is a real power in doing that. Yeah. It's actually modern Western society that has become more individualistic. Yeah. Many countries in the world are not like that. Yeah. And so they think quite differently. So I, I actually think we are the ones who think differently about this. Yes, we're very individualistic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yet, for all of us, when we think about some of those magnificent points in the Bible, mm. it's actually a corporate image. It know? is. At Revelation 7, the tribes gathered in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so these same prayers and even singing together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I fully agree. I, like, I think we are part of a body. And, and the image, like, so you look backwards, which is helpful to Israel and Sinai. And, the, and, you know, you could even say the same thing even as the crowds came to Jesus. They, they came to him and confessed their sins, you know. And um, there's a kind of corporateness to that. But looking forward, Philippians 2, you know, uh, we're going there this week. Um, you know, the, the great vision of the final day is... Uh, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I take it there's, it's not just me believing that in the quietness of my own heart. It's me as part of a larger body saying, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Um, and I think there's something quite powerful about us doing that together that actually helps me to see, it's not just me who believes in Jesus. Actually, I'm part of this wider family of people who share a common faith and yeah. confess it publicly together. And yeah. It, yeah, I think there's something helpful about that. You, you know, Sorry, I know we need to keep going, Sam, but, but sure. let me just make this it just pop into my head. Um, around the world, there are so many churches that feel isolated. Mm. And I was at a major international conference a couple of years back, um, and, and just time and again we heard people say how important it was for them to know that they were not alone. Yeah, yep, that's right. And, and I think the same is true of us. Yeah. We live in the world... Um, through the week we're constantly being bombarded with all kinds of things yep. so to join together on a regular basis mm. it's part of Hebrews 10 Yes. Um, to do that and actually realise we're not alone Great. is very powerful Yeah. well there you go. there's some Bible verses and hopefully a bit of uh, helpful thinking um, I'm looking forward to, to singing together this week, that's going to be a great thing uh, okay, now the second kind of uh, question, you made a comment about, uh, as you were talking about the brokenness of the world, you said, you know, Christmas is coming and that, that amplifies it. Somebody's texted in and said, hang on, as a kid I'm a bit confused, why would people dread Christmas? Thank you. Yeah, look, if you're someone who doesn't resonate with the question, um, um, may I encourage you that you're blessed Huh. And and you probably have a wonderful family life that you enjoy, and that is a wonderful thing that is to be absolutely cherished, mm. absolutely cherished. Um, sadly, there are so many people for whom that is not the case. Sure. And so the tradition around Christmas of spending time with families in that context where there is pain, there's broken relationship and... You know, I frequently talk to people where just the other day someone told me their sister's not talking to them at the moment. Mm. Um, that was last week, week before it was someone else. It goes on. Yeah. Um, 
and I just have people popping into my head who have said to me over the years, they dread Christmas every year, their family never gets together, it's too painful because of whatever mm. has happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I just think as we go on in life, we will all know people like that and my encouragement is how can we support those people at that time mm. um, people have done things like invite people over for Christmas lunch or something because there are so many who just feel alone and isolated yeah, yeah. thanks mate alright um, we're moving towards um, a few more sort of application type questions now Raj um, just pulling some of these threads together um, uh, you talked a lot about the suffering and the, the, the pain and the groaning of the world and someone's texted in look experiencing suffering is exhausting how can I care for those who are suffering when I feel burnt out from it myself? I'm a fellow sufferer. How do I how do I care when I'm suffering? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, you know, Philippians two actually comes to mind, but I don't want to say too much about Philippians two because, as you said, they're coming there this week. We are, yes. Um, but look, let me let me try to just offer some partial and practical things. I think I love this question because it's someone who is finding it hard work to um, to care for people uh, in the midst of that, and yet they, they clearly want to. Mm. You clearly want to, whoever you are. And and so I just, I love to see that desire. Um, and I just want to encourage you to keep on having that attitude and caring for those. But at the same time, I want to encourage you to reach out to people and seek some support yourself. Mm. And be that a growth group leader or a Christian friend, um, um, I think to be able to pray together, to be able to share together, to be able to text one another daily if, or to talk once a week, how's it all going, yeah. to try to help you get into a better place. Mm. Now, this is it's hard to answer this question generically because yeah. there are some people who are in my view, just doing too much. It's not sustainable. Um, and I do fear sometimes where that might end up. Sure. And and that what I mean by that is not caring and not serving at all. Mm. So there are some people in that category. And Sam, you're now doing ministry. Part of the challenges we've spoken about is helping people do something sustainable. Mm. Um, but but then caring for people. You know, if, if you have nothing in the tank, you can't give. Yeah. So yeah. I just want to, you know, we're all at different points on the spectrum. And I made light of it at someone's expense on Sunday night, I think, when talking about this. But I did talk to them and apologise later, can I just say. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, so some of us need to start the journey of caring and just think of the inspiration of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And mm. it was hard work, but that didn't stop him. Yep. But on the other hand, some of us need to... I think here's a slightly different message. Mm. So you kind of need to do a bit of um, self-reflection and even reflection with others, potentially, as you said, that will help you to kind of work out where you are on that spectrum. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you, mate. Um, I'm just going to push, jump ahead a question um, and uh, sort of following on from that, particularly what if it's more serious with the, the with despair and depression in your present suffering? Um, and, and you talked about longing for heaven. Someone's sort of sent, said, what if I'm longing for that so badly that I want to end my life on earth here in order to kind of grasp that glorious yeah, future you. quicker? Thank you. Look, this this was a a tough question, comment 
for all of us, I think, on Sunday night. Yes. Um, worth me just saying the person who's put that in is we've connected now and Fantastic. had a very helpful conversation. Yeah, great. Um, but look, I, and part of what I said to this person was, I, I really thank this person for putting it in because I'm sure they're not the only one mm. in this, you know, who's, who's at least had this thought. And so very similar to what I just said, I think the Lord has, one of the gifts he's given us in this world is a church community mm. and also Christian brothers and sisters who may be in other churches. And so I just, I just want to say, please reach out to someone, um, uh, seek some help, seek some prayer, seek someone you can turn to. But I also want to say to people who are trying to care for people in that situation, um, um, we need to grow in wisdom about when is the right time to refer someone on. Mm, right. You know, to the to get the right help and the appropriate professional help. Um, yeah. So you know, living in this world can be tough and is tough. Mm. And and the person concerned should with me all kinds of things. Yeah. And for each person, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Um, keep moving along there. Um, you you talked on the weekend about expecting nothing good of this world because of inherent sin. I'm not sure you quite put it like that, no, uh, but no. that's that's the way the text has come in. Uh, does that mean we're generally to expect the worst of everyone and everything? I can't help but feel that's a little pessimistic. Uh, how would you respond, Raj? Yeah, so th- I think part of my response is what you said, Sam. I don't think I put it quite like that. Um, Romans eight does it does say to expect great in this world, but. Other parts of the Bible tell us to expect incredible joy in this world. Mm. And and so it's not all like that. It's not all, you know, bad because of sin. And yet at the same time, the, the Christian person is, is being transformed more like Jesus even in this, this world. Yeah. Um, Galatians 5 comes to mind that talks about the fruit of the Spirit that is a source of incredible joy. Um, one John comes to mind. Love is just going all the way through it, coming back to the love. So we experience those things that I take it are terrific and wonderful. Um, and it's also true uh, that God did make the creation as good and fallen, mm. mm. but it, that doesn't mean it's all bad. Yeah. You know, we still. I've been just. You know, we're all getting out and about a bit, and um, uh, some of us have lived in LGAs that have been locked down. We've seen pictures of other people on beaches and so on, and we've, we've been thinking about these things. Yeah. So there is so much that is wonderful in our world, but it is not all wonderful. And that's the, the balance mm. that, that I think is there in the Bible to help us long for the future, Revelation 22, where it will be amazing. Yeah. Yep. yeah do you want to add to that? Not, not particularly, no. <clears throat> I, think, I think they potentially captured up some, some of the, as you've spoken about the groaning in the world, I think they've heard that um, very loudly, it sounds like um, the person who sent this in, and I think that's a helpful, um, helpful kind of correction there, just to sort of know. Actually, no, it's not all bad, but it is broken, um, and it needs it needs restoring, and we should long for that restoration. Yeah, yeah. All right, we've got a couple more to go here. Um, I um, I know I've skipped over one, Raj. I'll come back to it. Um, but uh, let's keep going to Revelation twenty two. Um, it talks of a new heaven and a new earth, um, and yet your sermon seemed to focus on enduring hardships rather than working within these hardships to sort of speak God's word in the difficult times. So, um, yeah, and then they sort of said, look, what should be our reaction to, to sort of um, uh, speak God's word in that situation, uh, whether that's with, you know, uh, people with disabilities, the elderly, uh, orphans, domestic violence, environment, 
Um, yeah, do, do you want to speak to that at all, Raj? Yeah, thanks, Sam, and thank you for the person who's put the question in. And look, it would be entirely um, a reasonable thing to do to have a sermon that focused on exactly this, you know, sure. what we should do in this world. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to pick up just on the window we have and the confusion that's around the place and yeah. that people share. So, yeah, helpful. Um, in fact, I, my recollection is in, a, in one of the Joel sermons, James Chen... He, he did do exactly this. He did, yeah. Yeah, and that that was only in July and August or, or something like that. It feels like a world ago, but it was it only, it was like only July. Ago, but something like that. <laughs> yeah. And and look, I guess fundamentally though, you know, God has made the creation. He's put He's put us here to be, yeah. you know, he, the way Genesis 1 and 2 talk about it, He's put us here to rule and care for the world. Yeah. Now, we need to, some people go, entirely to one end sins come into the world live for the future not for this world at all yep. so don't care for the world at all I think that's a I understand something helpful in that but to only think that I think is mm. just one end of the spectrum yep. um, but to go the other way is, is the other end of that spectrum yes. and, and doesn't properly take into account the new heavens and new earth that's coming Yeah. so I want to keep being in this world living in this world um, doing my bit to care for this world, yep. but underlying that to have a deep longing yeah. for the world to come. And helpful to note that your purpose this in this little series is to trying to think through well, how do we evangelistically take take advantage yeah. of this particular moment that we have as people are thinking about things. Yeah. So there's more to say, like this question is asking, but that's not really where we're, we're, what we're thinking about no. right now. Um, but good thing to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, two, two more to go, Raj, and then uh, we'll wrap up. Uh, any tips on how we can keep being uncomfortable so that we'll keep longing for the future? This comes back to the story of your South African friends talking to the Sydney siders who uh, were like, not sure I want to live there. I'd prefer to stay uncomfortable so I long for heaven. Yeah. Any tips on how we can stay uncomfortable in amidst of our comfort? Well, look, we can both talk about this one, Sam, because, you know, I, for different people it's different. Um, yeah, I think... I mean, the Bible keeps telling us, you know, things like to be in the world but not of the world. Mm. And and I think just continually putting yourself in situations where you are aware of the needs of people in this world to know Jesus. Mm. You know, evangelism. One of the... is, is an example, not the only thing. But, but to put yourself out there in those conversations, which I think we're more fearful of than we need to be, actually, I think... We've seen the stats recently, just at just the current juncture. Yeah. Um, 47% of people searching for meaning is extraordinary. Um, so there's fear that we have. We're, we can be fearful of what's going to happen relationally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how, how is it to be uncomfortable into the future? Well, start the conversation is one way. Totally. You know, and I think the other thing I think I spoke about here was just in relation to our finances. Jesus, yeah. 30% of his teaching is about this area that is so close to our hearts. Yep. And I'm struck by the way Matthew 6 puts it. I, mm. I didn't quite go read all that in the sermon, just it did come up in the question. And Jesus just, you know, he just says, where your heart is, sorry, where your money is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. And for me, it's been a more recent thing to ponder that more deeply. It, it doesn't say where your heart is, put your money. <laughs> Because if that was the case, 
in this world, I don't think any of us would be... It, but it actually says the way to transform your heart is to just put yourself out there. Mm. So it's talking about what God has entrusted to us in the first instance. Mm. But I think there's something very powerful in that as a principle. Yeah, I agree. Work out the next... How is it you can just put yourself out of your comfort zone, just that next step. Yeah. And, and then, you know, it becomes normal. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day that that just said, you know, they're wearing a mask in a particular situation and they, they had a bottle of water and they wanted to keep having a bottle of water just as a comfort thing so they didn't have to wear the mask. Mm-hmm. I said, so how did that go? And they said, it didn't feel right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought, there's something delightful about that. In their heart, they, they knew the right thing, they longed for the right thing, mm-hmm. and so their conscience was... Yeah. But if they kept on... You know, over a period of time, this is the negative illustration of it. Yes. Then it would have been okay. Mm. And lots of things work like that. And I'm just trying to say, turn it around, put yourself in the other situation. Yeah. Um, do you want to add to that? Look, only, I mean, I think that's helpful. If you're feeling comfortable, generosity is a, is a, uh, is a good option for you. If you're feeling like perhaps I'm getting too comfort, think about your giving. Think about, and not just your financial, but your giving in so many other ways of your time and your energy yeah. and your efforts. Um, Proverbs 30 is a verse I, I really love, verse 7 and 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me, and give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my, my God. Uh, and so there's a, there's a challenging prayer. Don't give me too much, God, because if I have too much, I may just disown you. So I find that a helpful verse just to keep reflecting on. Which is connected with, you know, Jesus talking about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That's right. That's right. Last one, Raj, uh, is on the topic of finance. So there you go. Good, uh, good one to wrap up with. And someone said, look, what about the COVID disaster payments? Should I give that? Seems like we haven't really worked for that money. Is it any different? Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, look, my short answer is I... I want to encourage us to view whatever we have at our disposal as given to us by the Lord. Mm. Be that income or be that inheritance or be that COVID disaster payments or whatever it is. Um, I think a number of us have found over COVID times we've actually saved money, Mm. um, haven't been able to go out as much and so on. Um, And, you know, why not think of that as... as, Rather than something for yourself, that's the attitude Jesus is trying to rebuke. Yeah, uh, something that has been entrusted to you to mm. invest in the Lord to come. Yeah, Revelation twenty two, treasures in heaven. Not. Yeah, it's the same. I think it comes in with the same kind of thing. Yeah, even though in when it's put into in one two Corinthians, it's picking up on the more normal thing of the mm. the kind of income. Yeah, so it may be that the Lord's provided them to you to give you your daily bread and use them in that way. Or it may be that the Lord's given you more than you need, and so consider being generous. Yeah, Yeah, very good. That's it for today, Raj. Uh, Very quickly, this Sunday, we've talked about it a couple of times, Philippians 2, what's your title? Free free to what? Well, um, free to serve. Free to serve. Yeah, yeah. And so we're going to look at the attitude of Jesus. It's it's an inspirational passage where we, we learn so much about Jesus. Um, and we also learn a lot about serving and, awesome. and caring for one another. 
Excellent. Well, looking forward to it. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. Keep them coming. Uh, We'll be back with you next week for another round of the Extra See at Church in person, everywhere, ticket-free on Sunday. See you there. Thanks, everyone.